You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 97X, band, the future of rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It's another little gem. I'm a little, uh... <laughs> See, there's something... That, that thing's broke. I gotta fix that. I think I know what happened, too. I just gotta redo it. That intro's messed up. It's cutting off short. I'm not even asking your opinion anymore. That's gonna drive me out of my mind. Unfortunately, I don't have time for that today. It took me forever to find that clip because I had to bail on another movie. Because as good as the movie was, there's no real lines in there that I identify with. But that one, this is a different movie. It's tricky, too. you got to know this movie pretty well to get that line. I don't know. Let me know if you can figure that one out. Um, got more training camp stuff to talk about. I'm going to try to rip through that as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, as I was... Sifting through things, I got caught watching a video about uh, Steve Irwin. You know, it's just just real life stuff, man. That's what <laughs> that's what happens. It's the glories of social media. I completely forgot. You know, hey, you're up early to do a podcast. Remember, time crunch. Got work today. All that. Nope. Just completely lost in the Steve Irwin video. You can't not watch a Steve Irwin video, man. Talking about his kids and stuff. You know. Anyways, so that's that. Just recently crossed the 2,000 subscriber mark on the YouTube channel, so thank you all very much for uh, helping me out with that. It's been growing very, very quickly, and probably some good news for all of you. Um, The Packers content has completely blown up beyond the draft content, so I'm just kind of letting that inform my decisions moving forward. So although I haven't really had time to make videos because I've been very busy, had a uh, group chat thing, um, on Twitch with fan to fan Network two days ago. And last night I did an interview with, uh, or for the Unknown Packers podcast. That's going to be on Tuesday. So it's been, uh, it's been hectic, but I've got the day off tomorrow. So hopefully I'll be able to get caught up. Anyways, should be some good uh, Packers content coming through on Pack Daddy NFL, the YouTube channel. But today, as I said, um, don't have a ton of time, but there isn't that much news to get through anyways. I'm really just looking at Packers Training Camp Day 3, and um, that's about it. If you want to support the show, there's links in the description, etc., etc. Get in the group, like the page, hug your kids, take your vitamins, food pyramid. I, You know, I'm not sure what we're talking about, honestly. I think Steve Irwin's daughter just got married. I'm not sure about that. Or the son or something. I don't know. My wife kind of stays up on that side of things. I more or less just like watching the whole crocodile part of it. But somebody got married. Or something significant happened. I don't know. Divorced. Had a kid. Appendectomy. I, You know, something big is going down with someone in the Irwin family. But um, why don't we just go ahead and take a break. And we'll rip through the uh, the news and we'll call it a day. 
I would say it's going to be short, but every time I think in the history of this podcast that I've said it's going to be a short one, it's a minimum 40 minutes. So let's just say it's going to be what it is. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So first of all, as predicted, there were several injuries. Um, As it sounds like, as of this morning anyways, none of them are significant. I saw that Montrevious Adams, who was uh, seemingly the most significant, he's the one that was carted off, um, I believe, with a left foot injury, something to that effect. Um... There was a note that I saw this morning that it, he's believed to be okay. And then the footnote was that Zadarius also is not thought to be serious. And when when Zadarius, who, no offense to Montravius, is much more important to the team, is a footnote, I tend to believe that it's not serious. Also, David Bakhtiari wasn't even listed, so I tend to think that he's going to be okay. In fact, the way that they made it sound was that he got injured and... Um, he didn't even really want to come off, and they kind of forced him to come off. I don't know if that's true. That was just kind of the vibe I was getting. The uh, training staff was like, no, 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 you're coming off, which, you know, makes sense, especially for veterans. David Bakhtiari doesn't really need this as much. You know, I mean, he he needs it in terms of getting into shape and kind of getting into all that, but if you're getting tweaked and injured or whatever, just it's game over. Time to walk it off and put some ice on it and rub some dirt in it all, whatever it is they do with their technologies and whatnot the fancy dirt that they have over there, uh, get him back to normal. So seemingly everybody's going to be okay. And they, they could be out for a while because during this period of time, especially for guys like Zadarius and um, David Bakhtiari, they're really overly cautious. And they would rather just hold them out until week one than risk them furthering any kind of injury. So unless they're 100%, they're not coming back. And the, and the only reason I bring that up is because I don't want you to freak out if we see... I think there's another day of training camp today, maybe not tomorrow, something like that, or today and tomorrow. I don't know. 
they're very secretive about the training camp schedule. It's very weird. Usually it's just out there somewhere, but it's it's not right now. Um, but not to freak out if it if we see Bakhtiari's standing on the sideline or something. It could be serious, but it also could just be they're extremely overly cautious. Again, either you are 100%, not 99.5, 100% better or you're not playing. That's just kind of the way it's going right now. Um, and probably even more so, given the, the lack of time and everything else. They just do not want any risk of, of missing real time. Um, Corey Lindsley was actually not playing. I believe they had said that that was something that was uh, precautionary, but still, you know, again, exact same situation. He didn't get hurt in camp, but something happened probably from the day before, and they decided it would be safe to just hold him out. Plus, the other reason it's beneficial, and, and the reason you you know, 100% is the standard. It gives you an opportunity to see some of the other guys, which you're lacking in that ability. You know Corey Lindsley's the guy. You know Bakhtiari's the guy. You know Zadarius is the guy. Let's give some of these other guys an opportunity. And they did get a, a good look at uh, several other people, as well as, for example, they put Elton Jenkins at center, which is something I've been saying for a while, is a possibility if and when they decide to move on from Corey Lindsley is putting Elton at center. And so they've got a lot of pieces that they've been shuffling around, you know, Billy Turner at guard and tackle. Um, a lot of these other guys have been going from uh, guard to center and whatnot. Uh, I think because of the injuries and whatnot, they decided to keep it a little bit short. Two days ago was an hour and 45 minutes. Yesterday was just an hour and nine minutes, and they decided to call it quits. And um, otherwise, big notes, more or less, again, the defense pretty much... I don't know why I keep repeating words. It's a very weird thing going on today. Brain isn't working, and it's just substituting filler words, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, the uh, defense was pretty dominant over the offense. I think even more so. Before it was kind of the offense looked really good as far as wide receivers, and then the red zone went to the defense. This was just all defense. And it, it's important to note that this is when uh, when the pads went on. And although training camp doesn't really matter, I, I really genuinely believe we may be at a point right now where the defense is just better than our offense. And I'm not mad about it. And it doesn't necessarily mean the offense is bad. Um you know, I mean, it's it's hard. This is something I talked about in the interview yesterday with uh, uh, with Bryce from the Unknown Packers podcast. Just the potential. You know, we've spent so many years investing high picks in in players, and then going out and spending big money. You can't really find too many places outside of linebacker where there wasn't a massive investment. And if you get a guy like uh, Jerry Gray, who is our new DB coach, to come in and really get these guys to meet their full potential you know Jair, Kevin King, Savage, Amos, Raven not that Raven was a high pick but just a talented football player you know Zadarius and Preston and Rashawn and Kenny just it's just such a it's just it's ridiculous it really is just absurd the amount of talent that's there so I am excited about the prospect of of having a defense that's a little bit better I don't want them to be a lot better than the offense, and I do think the offense is going to take some steps and some strides and whatnot, but it does feel good to hear that the, that the defense is just kind of dominant. Um, not that this is, especially with interceptions, we've heard years in the past where Aaron Rodgers throws like five picks in one day, and everybody panics, and I, I just think training camp is a time for Rodgers to really just kind of do what he doesn't do in the regular season, which is just kind of let stuff loose and work on timing and all that. He doesn't care about interceptions, and that's a good thing. You're trying to work some stuff out, but anyways quarterback not a huge amount changed um more or less the same kind of stuff Rodgers threw a pick Boyle looks really good and Jordan Love is uh the quote I believe from Matt LaFleur is that he's swimming which again isn't that 
unusual, but there were a lot of videos to kind of show exactly what that means. And again, I think this is relatively common. Uh, I don't know to what extent, but it, it seems common. And again, he hasn't had any opportunity. So as, as ugly as those videos look, just remember, this is like day one, or, or technically, what, day three of, of trying to get this very specific timing and footwork down. And even as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, like, how would you do that? And But the bottom line is, if you see any of these videos, um, you've got Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers, and Tim Boyle running through very specific footwork drills you know you, you take the snap you drop back you kind of do a little hesitate and then you know it's just it's a very specific and they've got a bunch of different ones that they do right for depending on situation or whatever it is to, to teach you the the drop and the steps and all these different things and you watch Aaron Rodgers and Tim Boyle and it's I mean they are perfectly in sync because they both understand the foot the what what you do with your feet and the timing and the rhythm and all that stuff which the entire offense is built around i need you to do exactly this because the offense is structured such a way that you know if the wide the wide receiver is going to be open at this time so i need you here now and then to move on to your second read you do this with your feet and it, it's all again every offense operates this way but i think especially with this system which is predicated on timing and everything it's very important they get this down but you watch those two who are very much in rhythm and then you watch um jordan love and it's very evident he's got some some growing to do it's you know it's not just a matter of being extremely talented which which i think he is and i think he can muddle his way through if there was a preseason i still think he would do a great job um but it's it's actually a pretty good insight because you see that a lot you know for example dexter williams or some of these other guys that seem impressive, and we can't figure out why they just aren't out there, right? He's, he see, looks really good. Why isn't he out there? It's these kinds of real precise things that maybe we can't exactly see that the coaches see that just drive them nuts. And it's like, no, you need to do this, 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 then this, right? Or, you know, you should have been reading this or doing this, or you, you grab it, and this is your pace and your rhythm. And it's just there's so much that... If you don't understand it, if you don't get it, especially a quarterback where it's much more precise, there's there's very specific problems. Or wide receiver, you know, he's so good, why don't we just put him out there? There's there's all these things that are expected of you. And as a coach, you know, we as fans are just seeing good play, bad play, right? Or he, he, he beat that guy, why isn't he out there all the time? Or even with, um, what was the note yesterday about, uh, was it Vernon Scott, I think is his name? You know, we all just saw great plays, and Matt LaFleur comes in and he's like, yeah, he's way too shallow. Right, I mean, he's he's looking at it and say he's not even standing in the right spot on the field. This is terrible. But you know, great play on the ball. The number one thing is know your assignment, know where to stand, know where to go, know where to drop, how deep to drop. You know, all the, all these different very specific things that guys like Petten are watching, and and that's part of the reason why. And and you know, I've I've complained in the past about why not don't you just put the better guys in there? That's probably a big part of it. These are guys that are making plays, but they don't know what they're doing. I mean, it would be just like backyard football like i'm just gonna go stand in this general safety area you know they, they drop about this far right and then when the ball snapped i'm just gonna run around like a crazy person but anyways it would it's it's not really disheartening because it's what you expect it's a it's a growth and and you know these things take time but it, i actually thought it was a really good insight to kind of just show this thing that i've never really been able to understand or or visualize, I guess, maybe just because I'm a more visual person. I've understood generally the concept, but to be able to actually see the vast difference of a guy that doesn't quite understand and the guys that really get it and how precise an offense or a defense can be, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a cool insight. 
Running backs, again, it's all about A.J. Dillon for the third straight uh, day in a row. But, man, oh, man, if you haven't seen, if you're not on Twitter, and I'm thinking about, i got to do some work here. I haven't put any clips in, uh, on YouTube I've been doing kind of recaps like I'm doing here. Uh, I haven't done any videos of actual training camp because it would get instantly demonetized and that, you know, it's extra work just to get your video demonetized. It doesn't really make sense. But I might do like one big highlight reel, which would be kind of cool. Plus, I'm trying to hone my uh, editing and, and whatnot skills. It's definitely, if you've watched any of my YouTube stuff, a work in progress with, you know, the volume levels and everything else. But it's it's fun to play with that stuff. But I think that'd be a cool video, like a, a, a training camp recap highlight reel. But man, A.J. Dillon is just an absolute freak. And, and uh, you know, he, he really, he's really exciting because he does all the little stuff that you don't really expect. You know, even in college, one of the things that worried me was he, you didn't always really see the power. You know that he's big and he's got the speed. And so when you, you know, it's just basic physics. When you have a lot of speed and a lot of mass, it just means you're very powerful. But he didn't always, you know, he wouldn't lower his pads and all this kind of stuff. And it kind of freaked you out. But every single thing, whether it's throwing passes in his great hands or whatever, it's like just doing a great job as a receiver looks good. His speed looks phenomenal. The power is unbelievable when you see him smack into stuff and almost take these, whatever they're called, and just flip them over. But also the agility. There's there's a video, and it, it's funny because they do these drills where you, you know, whether you're hitting a pad or you're doing whatever, and then you have to avoid something. Generally, the running backs default to a juke, right? I'm, I'm going to plant my foot and kind of jump out of the way. It seems like A.J. Dillon defaults to a spin move. And the two things that are cool about that, number one, it instantly reminds me of Eddie Lacy, right? Mr. Circle Top. I think that was his nickname in college because of, he was always doing the spin move. But also how smooth it looks. Go watch. There, there's a drill out there of him like dodging a red ball. He's running through cones, and then you got to dodge a ball. Look how smooth his spin is and how he just continues. It just, I don't know, man. That, that's going to be a critical component because just being a big, lunking, smash-mouth running back is not, it doesn't mean anything. You know, Jamal Williams can smash people, but if you can add in speed, if you can add in receiving, if you can add in especially agility, that's going to pay such ridiculous dividends. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be massive. And if, if he can make quick reads and quick cuts and, and do all these things with speed and power, it's, I mean, he, like a lot of guys on this team... As much as it drives me nuts that the Packers are obsessed with getting, you know, these high upside RAS guys, the potential is just across the board ridiculously high. And if we hit on anybody, Gary's potential, Savage's potential, AJ Dillon's potential, even MVS's potential. It's just there's there's just there's so many ticking time bombs just sitting out there waiting to explode. And somebody's going to. I'm telling you right now. Somebody is just primed. That was one of the questions I got asked yesterday. Who's gonna break out? And it's like, man. There's so many possibilities. Um, otherwise, the uh, running backs in general all looked really good. There was several nice runs by uh, Aaron Jones. I'll just read the notes. Aaron Jones, nice run by Aaron Jones to kick things off. Second note, Aaron Jones finds a gap in the middle of the defense for an impressive run and a nice gain. A.J. Dillon's note says, A.J. Dillon with a beauty of a run and some bursts to open the second team offense. Jamal Williams says, Jamal with a shifty run in the middle of the field, found a small gap and made the most of it. 
And then Tyler Irvin with a sick route on Sullivan for an easy completion. So, I mean, man, how exciting is this? The offensive line, you hear Elton Jenkins talking about how much they're getting better and really starting to understand this outside zone thing. Then you add in Aaron Jones, who's already a good running back, running behind this improved running offensive line, A.J. Dillon, with the amount of potential he has. That was the thing that I said, too. If you go back and look at Boston College, 99% of his runs, he had nowhere to go. When he finds a hole, though, it's just, it's he just blows it wide open, man. He just, he takes it, and, and he's going to have an offensive line that has, there's holes. There's actually holes in this offense. It's not the best run-blocking offensive line in the world, but he's going to have several opportunities. And then Tyler Irvin as, as a receiving option. We're going to put him in the backfield and have him run routes, you know, move him out to the slot, and it just... I mean, not that it's a guarantee he even makes the team, but I, I think he will, and it's just such a fun piece. I'm, I'm so excited right now, man. I'm so excited for football. Um, the wide receivers clearly did not have as good of a day once the pads go on, which is expected. The the DBs aren't playing around anymore. They're they're playing much more, uh, much more tough. Also, it's kind of the second day of, of having drop issues. Yesterday was real bad with drops. The only wide receiver note that I saw all day um, two notes on Equinemius, one bad, one good. The first one says, a picture-perfect pass from Rodgers to EQ with Kadar in coverage, but it bounces off EQ's fingertips. Second note says, EQ beats Kadar on an out route to end the one-on-ones. Doesn't say whether he, he uh, caught a pass. I don't, I don't know if they even do that on one on I would assume there's somebody throwing something on one-on-ones, but maybe it's just beat the guy. I'm not sure. Um, tight ends. Still haven't heard a ton about Jace. The one note on him, and I'm, I'm hoping to see more, is nice play-action pass by Boyle, but Sternberger can't bring it in. Had a step on the DB, again, a drop. DeGuara, though, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I predicted one of my one of my uh, bold predictions was that DeGuara was going to be a better tight end than Jace. I just, I'm so excited about it. I mean, they're, they're already working him in a lot. There's so many positive notes. Um, I tried to go get a highlight. Of, of him in college because I was going through some of the, the college PFF stats that I found to try to find little notes about our guys. The third longest completion by a tight end in all of college football last year was by Josiah DeGuara. And it's just such a fun... You don't think of him as a big play guy because he's sort of the in-line, you know, deceptive kind of thing. But sometimes part of being deceptive is rather than blocking, you just take off down the seam. And that's all he did here. He takes off, drifts toward the sideline, and it's just wide open, and it's just it's just a cluster, you know. You've got you've got two wide receivers to his left. You got one running a, a a quick stick route or a little curl route. You got the other one running a slant. So at one point, there's three guys all bunched up together, and then the defenders are bunched up together. You don't know who's going where and who's doing what and who's covering who. And guess who slips out the back unaccounted for? Josiah DeGuara for a 75-yard reception comes about a half inch short of a touchdown on that play. I'm just I'm I'm really excited. I, I I genuinely think he's going to be a big part of the offense. I think he's he's going to be somebody that really um, has a big impact. I, I I believe that. I think more so than Jace. As excited as I am about Jace, and I think he's a better route runner and all that. I just think DeGuara is going to be sort of that possession guy. He's going to be the guy that that gets schemed a lot. That that Lafleur is going to rely on to to pick on linebackers and and whatnot beyond excited, but let's look at a couple DeGuara notes. Number one, DeGuara beats Green easily on a corner route, but Rodgers overthrows him by a fair margin. Rodgers also was struggling quite a bit. Several underthrown, overthrown passes. Second one, sweet grab by DeGuara on a slant throw, a bit behind him from Boyle in the red zone. Doesn't even break stride and pushes through for a touchdown. Third note, Josiah DeGuara is going to be a problem for defenses if they put a linebacker on him. Whipped his guy off the line on a slant that ended for a touchdown from Boyle. Don't doubt me on this, man. 
Very, very excited. He he comes in. I mean, again, he's been doing this for five years. He knows how to do this. It's a very specific skill set, but he's he's the guy. This is this is easy work for him. Granted, he went from Cincinnati to the NFL, but um, you know, so did Travis Kelsey and uh, uh, Brent Selleck, right? They're both Cincinnati guys. I don't see anybody complaining about that. Uh, Mercedes Lewis out doing Mercedes Lewis type things. First note: Mercedes Lewis just stoned Rashawn Gary like Gandalf. Second one, Rodgers hits big dog clean, but another drop by the offense been an issue thus far. I didn't necessarily mean for that to be a typical Mercedes thing. I don't think he's a, a droppy guy, but kind of par for the course with what the offense has been doing. Hopefully they clean that up pretty quick. But as far as him just blocking a guy out of existence, that's the kind of stuff we want from Mercedes Lewis. That's what we brought him in to do. He hasn't really met that full potential of like what he did with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but um, being able to do that kind of stuff is exciting. I mean, he's, a, he's a huge human being. And then Tanyan, who apparently, according to uh, Schneidman, and, and is becoming a popular thing, the number one tight end on the team, uh, it says, great route from Tanyan on Savage for a completion. I'm not trying to rip Tanyan. He's always he's, he's one of those guys that always seems to do a good job when he's out there. But, um, you know, I mean, if he, if he couldn't win the competition with some of these terrible tight end groups that we've had over the years, I mean, can't even break into, like, the number two, I, I don't think with Jace, DeGuara, Mercedes, that he's going to... He's going to crack the number one spot. I just really doubt it. Um, as far as the uh, Bakhtiari injury, Alex Light, just as so you know, came in. He was the fill-in tackle. And just to highlight how important it is that we address offensive line in the near future, he was immediately blown up by Jonathan Garvin, who was our seventh-round pick. So Alex Light comes in. He's like, all right, let's do this, guys. He's been here for, for several years. He's played tackle. He knows what he's doing. Rookie seventh-round pick, which, by the way, Talk about I talked about Stanford Samuels and how a lot of people thought he should have been drafted or whatever. The biggest shocker, I think, for a lot of people, not that it matters because the Packers have done this before in the seventh round with wide receivers and whatnot that were thought to be early round picks, but a lot of guys had Jonathan Garvin as like a third round prospect. So if you were to ask the draft Nick community who might surprise, I would bet 100 out of 100 would say Jonathan Garvin because I think some people had Jonathan Garvin ahead of probably even DeGuara, probably third in other words, if you look at everybody's big boards, they would probably have Jordan Love number one, um, A.J. Dillon number two, and then Jonathan Garvin. Possibly DeGuara above that, but most people didn't have DeGuara very high. So, interesting note. I mean, he fell to the, the seventh round for a reason, but still, it's it's bad when uh, your backup tackle comes in and just gets destroyed by a rookie seventh round pick. Then you got some offensive guard notes, Elton Jenkins. First play of team, Jenkins mauls Montrevious Adams, puts him on the ground on a run to the left. And this kind of highlights uh, the next note. Well, there, there, there's more notes on Elton Jenkins, but there was a note about Billy Turner getting absolutely abused by Montrevious, which is a terrible note because I really doubt it has anything to do with Montrevious being really good. It's just, I mean, Billy Turner just isn't very good. That's There's no two ways about it. He hasn't been. And I don't, you know, he's he's had some some stretches where he's been decent, but not necessarily with the Packers. So I mean that that just really shows the stark contrast, right? Billy Turner goes up against Montrevious. Montrevious just wrecks his world. He goes up against Elton Jenkins. Jenkins buries him just right into the dirt. Uh, then the next note: Elton Jenkins and Lucas Patrick both getting work at center with Corey Lindsley out. And then the other note: I think it was by. Uh, uh, Aaron Nagler, but I'm not sure. It says Patrick and Jenkins are doing work in the run game today. In other words, these guys are just tearing it up, which again is exciting. That's Elton Jenkins alluded to the fact that they're really starting to get this this worked out and figured out, and um, the running backs are just finding tons of holes in space, and they're doing a great job. I'm, I'm excited, man. This is I mean, this is what Lafleur wants. He's trying to get this offensive line in rhythm. 
really get this run game going. We got some great backs. We got an offensive line that's starting to figure this out. Very, very exciting. Um, defensive line, I already mentioned Montrevious got hurt. The only other thing, Dean Lowry had a really good run stuff on Aaron Jones. Uh, looking at edge rusher, there was one note here. It says Packers have been giving rookie uh, Jonathan Garvin, Tim Williams, and Ramsey, Randy Ramsey lots of work for fourth outside linebacker spots. So obviously it's Zedarius, Preston, Rashawn, and then who's the number four? Then it goes on to say, hard to distinguish a pecking order, but when team split into two groups just now, Garvin and Williams stayed with the top group while Ramsey split to the second group. So again, those of you working on 53-man roster type stuff, that seems to be somewhat of a pecking order, at least uh, Randy Ramsey. Um, that would make him, what, sixth in the outside linebacker pecking order. Uh, Zadarius, I already mentioned, got hurt. A uh, really good note from Rashawn. It says, Gary knifes through for a tackle for a loss on Jamal. Great play from Gary. I think that's the second time that that's happened. He's had two really good plays against the run. Uh, I mentioned the Jonathan Garvin note that he blew up Alex Light. Uh, Trayvon Hester would have had a sack on Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, they're not allowing anyone to touch the quarterback. And then Tim Williams also collects a sack, this time on Jordan Love, who held the ball forever, couldn't find anyone. So I guess we'll give Tim Williams half a credit for that one. But he follows that up immediately with Tim Williams with another impressive play as he collects a tackle for a loss. A great series for 47, which would be his number. Zero notes on the linebackers that I had. So no no new Christian Kirksey picks or anything like that. Um, but the corners, the corners definitely stood out. I mentioned how the, the quarterback wide receiver thing wasn't working quite as well. It's because the corners were standing out. We got Kevin King, uh, pass breakup and coverage on Alan Lazar. Then the next note, Kevin King makes a really nice interception, dropping into zone. Rodgers never saw him, so he had a pass breakup and a pick in practice. Chandon Sullivan with a really nice run stuff on Jamal Williams for no gain. Then the next note, fantastic coverage by Chandon Sullivan on Devontae Adams for a breakup in the end zone. So you got number one unit going out, Chandon Sullivan, going up against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and breaks up a pass. I mean, that's you don't get a, a, a more challenging challenge than that. That is one of the best connections, one of the best duos in all of football. So great to see that he's he's acting like he belongs because he does. And then even Josh Jackson got involved. Um, awesome coverage and a pass breakup by Jackson on Kumaro. Next note says a couple good reps from Josh Jackson in one-on-one drills. If he gets his hands on you at the line of scrimmage, his physicality can give wide receivers problems, forced incompletions against Jake Kumaro and MVS, which makes sense. I mean, Josh Jackson, he's struggling with this man-to-man coverage stuff. I've said before, he's more of a zone guy. He's got to get it figured out because that's what Mike Pettin runs. But one of the things that he is is kind of a bigger, stronger kind of guy, as far as corners go anyway. So it makes sense. You know what? Let's Let's wreck some people at the line of scrimmage. I mean, find out how we can make this work for him. Obviously, not being a man uh, kind of guy, not saying he's not a man, I'm, you know, man <laughs> defense. He has a harder time kind of sticking with people. But again, you, you mess up the route before it even gets started. That That's a decent enough strategy. We'll see how it works for him. And then the third note on Josh Jackson, great coverage after Aaron Rodgers held the ball for a long time. Jackson should have had a pick, but he dropped it. That does it for the session today, blah, blah, blah. And then Stanford Samuels picks off Boyle in the red zone. Great read. So that's a, the second time Stanford Samuels has stepped up and, and had a really good day. He gets a pick today, or I guess yesterday. And then safeties, nothing on Vernon Scott, but Adrian Amos with an interception of Rodgers in the second play of team. Looked like it would have been a sack first two. Good rep from the D train. Second note for Amos, Equinemius on a toss reverse is sniffed out by Amos, who came in like a heat-seeking missile to make the stop. So that's it. I didn't see any special teams notes or anything else, so that's all I got. Again, defense was really on point. The run game looks like it's really doing well. The offensive line looks like it's really doing well. So offensive line over defensive line, corners over wide receivers. 
all around just very excited. So I'm pretty sure, here we go, good timing. I'm pretty sure we've got another one today, maybe tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. We'll see who makes it to the field. We'll see who kind of tweaks something and isn't playing. There's probably going to be a couple other players that uh, after a night of rest and letting their muscles rest, their body's just not going to cooperate today, which is fine. Again, don't want to overreact. It's good to be extremely cautious at this time. You don't need people you know, tweaking hamstrings any worse than they are. If you're not feeling right, just, just sit out. It's fine. we got to do evaluations anyways. But um, very excited to see what else we can find out. Otherwise, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic, I believe it's a Wednesday. Better be. If it's Tuesday, I'm going to break something. Sorry for that. Sorry for that outburst. You have yourself a fantastic day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.